0: Hi, and welcome to Ren Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the Body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Well, uh, in about five days, we will be inaugurating the 45th President of the United States of America. And um, whether you enjoy this person or completely unenjoy this person, one thing is true: he definitely has a lot of impact, positive or negative. He's definitely one person that has the power to influence a lot of people, for good or for for evil. Um, the point is, he's got. The power of influence because of celebrity. He's well-known. And now he's got political authority. So he's got two major platforms to influence not just our country but the world. I say that because when we compare ourselves to people in politics or people in Hollywood, we often look at, well, I'm just a nobody. I'm just kind of the small, kind of nothing here. But the fact is the, the youngest and weakest follower of Jesus Christ has more authority than the most powerful man on earth the youngest the weakest the most inexperienced the the least bible knowledgeable Christian has more authority and potentially more influence than any celebrity in Hollywood do you believe that it's a fact it's a fact and I believe 2017 is going to be the year of the Christian that's what I believe I believe the church is going to begin to bubble up, maybe not rise quickly or forcefully, but there's going to be a bubbling up of the influence you and I have in 2017 that surpasses anything we've seen for decades, perhaps maybe 30 or 40 years. I think the 70s was probably the last time we saw a resurgence of the power of Jesus Christ in the lives of an entire generation. It's called the Jesus People Movement. Many of us were part of that. So, I, I heard the Lord say as I'm praying about the coming year, He says, prepare to lead. Prepare to lead. Prepare to be in front. Prepare to lead. And I have to say, not everybody here is a called upfront platform type leader. Some of us are called to lead from the middle. Have you ever heard of that? You can lead people from the middle by your influence, by your whispers, by your encouragement, by your example. Some of us lead from behind. We really prefer not to be in the spotlight. But we're great at making sure everybody who's supposed to come along is coming along. And you're the kind of person that's willing to go only as fast as the slowest runner. And that's your ministry. You're leading from behind. But one way or another, I believe Jesus is saying we're called to lead and we need to just grow into that, regardless of what particular ministry calling you and I have. So uh, I want to start with just kind of a refresher. You may have heard part of my story before, but I, I cannot get it out of my mind because so many things that happened to me are God events. And I still can remember vividly at the age of four living in Pomona, California, which, by the way, was one of the safest towns on the planet. In fact, all of America was safe back in the 50s, right? 50s and 60s. So my mom, single mom who had five kids, all very close in age from about four years old up to about 10 years old, in the summertime, here was our agenda. Saturday morning, she would say, Kids, breakfast. Breakfast is over. Kids, see you at dinner. That was it. That was the scope of her parenting on Saturdays. And so we were just like, we would just take off throughout the neighborhood. We'd get on our skates or our bicycles or we'd run down the street. And my favorite thing was to run down to the tumbleweed field. Pomona, California had a ton of tumbleweeds. It was very dry, dry kind of in the hills out east of LA, and uh, there's a lot of just vacant land. I mean, it's probably not like that today, but there's this vacant field, and it was filled with tumbleweeds. If you haven't seen a tumbleweed, it's this weed that grows kind of like almost in a perfect round shape, like a ball, and it's just got one little sticky root on the bottom, it's thorns everywhere, and when the wind blows, it just kind of cracks off, and it just starts rolling, and in wind storms, there are tumbleweeds that just kind of roll down neighborhoods in California, and uh, so I loved this field because I could just go and do anything. I was an entire I don't know probably five acres of nothingness except tumbleweeds. And what you can do with tumbleweeds is you can, if you're very careful, you pick them up by the stem so you don't get poked by the stickers, and you could literally build forts and you could put one next to another like this, and you could literally and then you could literally build like an igloo out of tumbleweeds. It was awesome. And so I'm about seven, six, five years old. I don't remember exactly, but maybe I was four. This moment was when I first was allowed to go down the street to do this. So I was down in the field building the Tumbleweed Fort. And I remember standing there by myself. I don't know what everybody else was doing, but I was just having a blast. It's a Saturday. It's a nice California Saturday. And I remember standing there, and I'm working on my fort, and I turned around, and I see these three what I would just call neighborhood bullies walking down the street straight toward me. And they stopped at the entrance of this little field. It's kind of a road down the middle. And they just started picking up rocks and chucking them at me. All three of them just throwing it. And and I'm looking at them, it's like dodging them like this, you know, it's whizzing by. They never hit me. But I remember when they stopped throwing, because they kind of, I don't know, they were sort of like baffled Like, why am I not running? Why am I not crying? Why am I not doing anything? I was just sort of standing there, and I remember, now this is weird, it's, it's got to be God. I had this vivid sense of rocks should not be thrown at other people. I know that's wrong. Therefore, I'm right, and I'm just going to stand here because they're wrong and I'm right. And it was just a weird thing. I wasn't afraid of them. I kind of just, I had this strong confidence that that's just, you don't do that. That's just not right. So I'm just going to stand here. And then I remember they kind of go, hey, buddy, you're a punk. You should be running. You should be crying. And they picked up some more and started throwing. Them. And I, just, I didn't say a word. I just go, they're wrong. I'm right. And being right is all it takes to be able to be protected. I, I didn't have Christian background, nothing. But I'm just safe because I'm not wrong. You are. And I literally remember they just kind of, all right, let's get out of here. And they ran like, I, I don't know, like some ghost attacked them or something like that. I remember that so vividly even today because it was one of the first moments that I know God had put his hand on me. He said, Alex, you're going to be called someday to lead others. I didn't know it then, but I look back now when I became saved about age 21. I remember a lot of those moments along my lifetime where God had planted a seed in my heart to have impact and influence on other people. It took many, many years, even after I was a Christian, to decipher what all that meant because it's not automatic when you become a Christian how you're supposed to live your life or what your calling is. But I just knew this. I was called to have influence. I was created for this. I didn't know what it meant exactly, but there was something there. Can you raise your hand if you've had something kind of similar like that back in your life? Wow, that's cool. Yeah, you see, God is up to something. It is his job to define the call in ministry, but it's our job to develop it, right? It's our job to make sure that whatever that calling is, wherever we fit into his grand scheme of things, it's our job to make sure we become the best we could possibly be for his sake. Another time came when I was a brand-new Christian. I was reading Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through oh, about 10. And it's where God is calling Jeremiah, and, and he says to Jeremiah, as a young man, just a young lad, we don't know, maybe 10 years old, maybe 16, somewhere just kind of young, really before he began his ministry. And he said, before you were formed in the womb, Jeremiah, God says, I knew you, and I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's response was, I can hardly even talk, and I'm way too young. And God says, don't worry, I'll put the words in your mouth. I remember reading that as a 21, 22-year-old, brand-new Christian. I'm going, wow. It's just like God said, because hmm. I fulfilled both of those qualifications. I was young, and I did know how to talk. I don't know if you could tell now, but back in the day, I was one of the most frightened, shy, insecure guys you would ever meet. And so when I read that, it's like God was saying, but this is you. Don't worry, I'll put the words in your mouth. Now this is just my little history, my little experience. And I want to say again, has God spoken to you through the word even recently to kind of either confirm or for the first time say, yeah, I've chosen you. This is not your doing. In fact, it's not even your fault. I did this. I formed you and made you this way. Raise your hand if you think perhaps you you may have heard God. It's not always 100% clear. That's amazing. So if you think about leadership, and I got a cute little fish up there being in front, how do you become, how do you go from one of the thousands to the one who's influencing, impacting, and leading others? Well, I would say there's probably two, um, two of the facets. There's many facets to leadership, but two of the facets would be character and competence. It's kind of like building me on the inside and building me on the outside. One has to do with who I am in Christ and how I behave and the internal character virtues that I carry and live in. The other one has to do with skill, the skills of leadership. There's a lot of things that help you do well. There are many things that will cause you to fail or decrease our impact. But I would say two of those things will be character and competence. The third one that I think is essential is calling you you really need to spend your lifetime clarifying and defining and redefining what it is you are called to do. What's the spot in God's purposes that you're supposed to occupy? And it might be multiple spots for some of us. But for this purpose, for the next few weeks, I just want to talk about the character and the competence factors. And um, a lot of people think, you know, I, I don't really need to be competent or be skilled in my speaking or leading or my example. What I really want to work on is my character, my vertical relationship, because if I'm right with God, he'll take care of everything. Or other people say, you know, you know some really gifted people. I'm just so natural at leading, standing up, speaking, giving my opinion, singing, teaching, doing drama, doing dance, whatever it is, and I feel really competent about my skill level, so I don't really have to work on my character that much, because this baby will carry me. Which would you say is most important, competence or character? Probably character, but would you say they're both important? Yeah, without character, competence is pretty pointless. We know a lot of people living outside of Christ who have a lot of competence but no character, no good. But I would say both of them are equally valuable because there are some Christians who are so focused on being right with God and right with others and right and knowledgeable about the Word of God and everything else that they they just well, because they're insecure or they're afraid or they're timid or they're shy, don't really think they need to work on their, for instance, speaking abilities or their design work or their influence in music. But, but I believe that we're supposed to be good at both if we're called to be leaders in this generation. So I want to take a look at, well, before we do, how many of you uh, work for Boeing? Raise your hand. Great. Great. used to be like 50% of the church. It's a little bit less now. They all moved to Everett um, in South Carolina. Um, How many of you working at Boeing have um, seen your leadership team, your design team, working really hard on a one-winged plane? Have you seen the latest thing? It's like a plane with one wing on one side. Have you ever seen that yet? It doesn't exist. What would happen to that plane? It would fly in circles. No matter which wing you chose, it's going to fly in circles. If a bird had, you know, one wing tucked this way and a bird had the other wing tucked out, it's going to fly in circles. It's the saying. It's kind of like the gifts of the Spirit would be sort of like the competent stuff, the outward stuff, and the fruit of the Spirit, the, the internal character qualities. you got to have them both. So let's talk about both. And I want to go to a, one of my favorite authors. His name is Peter. And he wrote two letters to the Christians that he was pastoring in Jerusalem at the time and uh, his second one is very powerful. Second Peter chapter one, verses five through nine. Before we go there, oh, I'm going to ask you a question. If you were to kind of measure your natural tendencies, some of us are naturally more focused on our internal character qualities, our relationship with God. And it's just kind of automatic to us. Others are more naturally we We're just excited about doing the outward stuff, the skill levels, and the people, and the platform stuff, or whatever that is. And that's, that's kind of natural. And it takes more discipline to kind of get into this stuff over here. If you knew yourself as well as you can, where would you put yourself on that spectrum? It's just so that you don't tell anybody else. just so you can have a starting point. Because that way, it'll help you hear the Lord when he says, yeah, you're a natural over here, baby, but... To really, really be effective, you got to work on some of this internal stuff here. Or, gosh, you are really serious about our walk together, but you got to step out. A little bit more courage would really increase your influence. Where would you mark yourself? Just kind of pick a spot, do it in your head, do it on paper, because that will help you know, all right, what do I need to work on next? All right, let's take a look. Which of these should come first, character or competence? Well that's kind of like saying, what's just more important, being a follower or being a leader? What would you say? Vote, being a follower or being a leader? Which is more important for you as an individual, for me? Follower first. Yeah. If you don't know how to follow, you really will never know how to lead well. So it's really important that we recognize, okay, I, I do have to grow perhaps in my out front skills, but I can't. Ever become as effective as I need to be without being a follower of Christ first. There we go. Now we're at 2 Peter. All right, here's what Peter says. For this very reason, and he's referring back to something, and we'll get there in a second. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self control, and to self control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is what? Nearsighted, that's not very complimentary, and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if you were to just kind of stop and look at that, Peter just listed eight things that will help you get to a certain outcome. And I was just wondering, can you tell me what the outcome will be if we focus on those eight things? What does he say here? Effective and productive. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? I don't want to go to my grave and have everybody stand around and go, can you think of anything to say? No. How about you? I don't know. It wasn't much there, you know, just a nice guy. No, I want them to say, wow, his life mattered. It was effective. He was productive. That's what Peter is promising these. He's connecting these two. If you work on these eight internal character qualities, he says, I guarantee you, you will have influence. You will become that monster of a Christian that has impact and influence wherever you go around in every life that you touch. So let's take a look at a couple of things about this character. First of all, recognize Christian character is not a destination. It's a lifestyle. There are some Christian teachings out there that that make it sound like to be a mature Christian is sort of like a a plateau that you reach, and you kind of get there, and now you're just like mature, and everybody looks at you and goes, whoa, they're mature, man. How do I never be like that? Like you arrive at this position or something. That's not what Christian character or maturity is all about. Instead, it's a lifestyle. It's the person who's developed the habits of responding Christ-like in every situation. It doesn't mean they never sin. It means that when they sin, they've developed a habit of going, my bad, Jesus, I'm so sorry, forgive me of my sin. They have that habit of when they offend or hurt a friend, they go to them and take the initiative to humble themselves and apologize. That's Christian character. That's maturity. It's that you have built in these habits where you choose to do the right thing, not that you've arrived at some particularly holy place. You're still in process like everybody else, but you develop the habits to respond correctly when things go wrong. I think that's very encouraging for me because I used to think I had to arrive and I would look at all these amazing professional Christians. Oh, you're so, oh, i never be like that. It's just not how it is. So develop these eight character qualities, Peter says, and you will be effective and fruitful. So let's do two of them today. We're not going to do all eight. We'll start out with the two. We got that right. The qualities of godly character, let's start with the first one. He refers to, he says, add to your faith goodness as if faith has already been talked about. And guess what? He did. So this is where you go back to the very first few verses in Second Peter, and he says, this is the first quality you want to walk in. You've got to have this working on the inside. It's called faith. And so if you go backwards, he describes what exactly we're supposed to have faith in. And he says, it's this, his divine power, God's divine power, has, been, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, okay? So it's faith that God, by his power, when you say yes to Jesus, you're instantly given this massive treasure filled with good things, powerful things. In fact, it's everything we need to live a godly life. Everything we need for life and godliness is another translation. And then he goes on and kind of describes faith in what? Faith in this, that through these he has given us every great and precious promise, so that through them you may participate in what? The divine nature. That sounds wild. What's participate in the divine nature? Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. When I read this verse, I'm thinking, okay, what am I supposed to have faith in? Those facts right there that every great and precious promise that God has ever made to anybody on the planet are mine because I'm a follower of him. I need to live like that's actually real and true. That's my reality. And then I'm going to participate in the divine nature. Now, those are small d, small n, but I think they're referring to the nature of God, that the Holy Spirit who's been given to me when I accepted Christ contains all the fullness of the Godhead and he now lives inside of me. So I'm participating now in this reality that the power of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the kindness of God, the wisdom of God is internally inside of me. What do I have faith in? That fact. I, I like to look at the kingdom of God as kind of like a parallel universe. For me, that just really works. Like there's this invisible universe where God's glory, goodness, power, authority, truth, love, joy, and angels and everything else are just like all just sort of like in this flowing river all around me all the time. And I'm sort of swimming through it as I walk through my daily life. So one world is foot planted on earth. The other world is I'm experiencing this parallel universe called the kingdom of God filled with every promise and the entire divine nature. And I'm sort of living in that atmosphere. That's what I'm supposed to have faith in. Do you see life like that? When you wake up in the morning? Not at first. It takes me an hour sometimes, a little coffee to get back to that. (laughs) But some of us have never actually considered that possibility, that this is actually the real world Jesus walked in When he was here, and it's the real world I'm supposed to be walking in today. So when it comes to developing this thing called faith, I've got to work on this perceiver right here and make sure that I'm seeing the universe as God sees it and as he describes it here, where there are angels and promises and goodness and his divine nature just swirling around me at all times, no matter how much danger or opposition I'm facing. That stuff is always there. So faith in what? Faith in this kingdom of God being a present reality for me right now all the time. One of my first experiences with that was really, really cool. I was, uh, when I first Accepted Christ, did that by myself in my car. About two weeks later, I got up the courage to tell my older sister, Jody, that um, i had become a Christian, and I was at work as a janitor cleaning offices. And I remember sitting down at one of the executive desks and getting ready to make a phone call. And it was actually the president's office, Global Van Lines. that made me feel big. And I remember sitting there, and I was just nervous as all get out. And I just go, oh, I'm so scared. If once I say it, then I'm in. It's like somebody else knows And so I I was just really nervous. And, And I remember reading in the Bible, because I read a lot of the Bible before I ever became a Christian. I remember reading the Bible. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. That's all I remembered. So I go, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, right. And I remember sitting in the chair going, God, could you give me courage to call my sister? And I literally felt like I got slammed with this concussion wave. I went, boom. Literally the chair flew back like that. Because when I prayed that little, simple, brand-new Christian prayer, I had it in my head that I was living in this parallel universe, and whatever I ask, I will receive. Simply because I believed that was true, and it was real. And I got, bam! And I went, wow, okay. No, no, it was a dial then. And I called Jody, and I told her, and it was the most exciting moment in our two lives. That's what we're called to walk in. If you're not walking in that today... Gosh, just, just develop and just uh, nurture your perceiver's ability to see and know and experience the presence of God. All right, second one we'll talk about. He says, add to your faith. Oh, I like that. And if you're taking notes, actually living in this parallel or taking pictures, universe known as the kingdom of heaven at the same time we're living on earth. Then he says, add to your faith goodness. What is goodness? Goodness. Sounds like an ice cream man or something, you know? Goodness in the Greek, I love the Greek language because it's so much broader and thicker and fatter and more meaningful and colorful than English. Um, Goodness actually comes from two words which mean moral excellence. It's it's like modesty, purity, honesty, and integrity. It's moral excellence, like just living a pure life, really fighting temptation, fighting your flesh, and fighting off the things that want to take us down. How many of you love math? Anybody love math? There's one, there's two, yeah. I love math. I love math. That's why I like puzzles. I like Sudoku. Any Sudoku fans here? I love Sudoku. How many of you know in math there's this term that you probably took in algebra. Maybe you use it today, maybe you don't, but the term is integer. Integer. What is in math terminology, what is, what is integer? Integer. Go ahead. A number that can't be divided. Good. Yeah. And that would make it what? It's a single prime number. It's one of a kind. Where do you think we get the word integrity? It comes from the word integer. It means we are going to be people who are the exact same person inside as we are outside in terms of character and commitments. We're the same person on Sunday as we were on Friday night. We're one. We're the same. We, we, don't have, we don't have two faces. We don't run with two separate crowds. We're going different directions. We're, we're not a chameleon. We don't change colors depending on who we're with. We're just the same person. And let me tell you, it's not easy being green. No, it's not easy to walk in integrity all the time with every person. You know why? Because you experience rejection Sometimes. And that's why we have a hard time holding our ground around certain groups or certain people because they don't like us when we're that person. They like us more when we're this person over here. But Jesus says, I just want you to be the same person all the time. I want you to have integrity. That's, that's what goodness is. And so if we can recognize, okay, Lord, how do, I, how do I grow in standing my ground and not being two-faced? You know, integer means one duplicity means two. I don't want to be a duplicitous person. I want to be a single, same person all the time, in private and in public. How do I get there, Lord? Can I suggest an easier way than maybe you knew what was available? One of the easiest ways to be the same person all the time is to have faith in God. Go back to the first thing. You don't have to pretend because even though this human may not like me, God loves me. I've already got everything I need for life and and Godliness. I don't need their approval. See, if your faith is strong in in what God says about you, you don't have to weaken when you're around certain people or certain pressures. You can just be the same. If we will grow in faith and in moral excellence, we're on the road to being effective and productive leaders. Final uh, point here is that When you and I are living our difficult, challenging, sometimes painful, discouraging lives, the greatest temptation generally is just to um, withdraw and nurture and comfort ourselves, right? Isn't that for you, for me, it is, I'm tired, I'm gonna go veg out in front of the TV. I'm under pressure, I'm gonna go eat a gallon of ice cream. You know, we we just go for, somebody say amen. (laughs) And so one of the things that that often just sabotages our life going forward is that we're just too quick to give in to those things because we haven't established faith, number one, and we haven't really established goodness. So I just want to encourage you in 2017, make faith your, your greatest pursuit this year. Say, Lord, give me eyes to see, ears to hear. I want to watch and notice and give you thanks when I see this parallel universe manifest itself in front of me. I have a car right now though it's fairly new to us my key doesn't always go into the ignition and it doesn't always turn ever had that happen to you my last car did that and I was 40 miles from home it wasn't happy circumstance tow truck couldn't even move it they had to drag it with the tires locked across the street before they could get it onto the the deal it was ugly So it's starting to happen right now. And I actually bought the part to replace it. I just haven't got to it yet. But my key, I'm just waiting for that moment. And I'm going to be somewhere I don't want to be. And it's never going to turn again. Can I just say, I would be a fool to let that go much longer, wouldn't you say? It's gone too long already. But it's going to take a lot of work and a little bit of expense. And I'm not really excited about that. But the cost of not doing anything is way greater. So can I just encourage you, 2017, the cost of doing nothing going forward is not going to be a good place to end up at the end of 2017. Little by little, let's focus on growing in faith and goodness. Amen? Amen. Can we close our eyes and let's pray together? Father God, we thank you that you are real. You came to earth. You lived your life as a man. You died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the dead. And then you sent your spirit to come and fill us with power, with love, and a clear thinking mind. So, Lord, would you help all of our minds right now be clear thinking and acknowledge where we haven't really been that committed or that strong in walking with you? And would you give us the courage then to say so? Father, that's me. Guilty as charged. Would you give us the courage to confess our sins to you and just say, Lord, Forgive me. And Lord, then would you help us to remember that the moment we speak those words you promised, and this is one of the promises, that you are faithful, you are just, you are committed, you are eager to forgive us of our sin. Cleanse us from every bit of darkness and give us a brand new clean slate, brand new start right now. Would you help us to embrace that fact right now, that reality? And from there, Lord, help us to remember as we go, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through next Sunday, to wake up every morning and work as hard as we can to get right back to that reality, living by faith, so that we won't have to do anything except what you call us to. We'll be unpressured, unneedy, looking for no shortcuts, because we're so satisfied in you. If that's your prayer, would you say amen? Amen, hallelujah. Well, one last reminder, I'm going to be out there with a clipboard for uh, Rooted. We've got three classes, so I'll have all three of them out there, Pam's, Dana's, and mine, and I would love to have you take the last chance to sign up, all right? God bless you. See you next Sunday. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. You ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.